Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. The second practice session for the Hungarian Grand Prix saw Ferrari's Charles Leclerc take the lead. Max Verstappen's Red Bull only 11th place. The second FP session today on Friday was run in dry conditions, a contrast to the earlier session interrupted by rain and crashes. So what did happen in the first session and what's been popular amongst our readers at Autosport.com? No better person to tell us than the editor of Autosport.com, the main man himself, Hayden Cobb. Thank you for joining us on Friday night. Ah, oh, thanks for having me once again. I hope you're well. I know, all good, all good. Uh, enjoying watching Formula One this weekend in Hungary. No worries about track limits, because if you do get anywhere near the edge, uh, some of the curbs are pretty ferocious, and you'll just be on the grass. So uh, we don't need to delete 400 lap times this weekend. The first practice session for the Hungarian Grand Prix was marked by rain and spins. Uh, George Russell's Mercedes was the fastest car, but... Well, it didn't really count in FP1. The session was interrupted early on uh, with Red Bull's Sergio Perez crashing on his first timed lap. So we'll get into the pressure, the mind games, the Red Bull pressure cooker. Sergio Perez did not need to come out at the beginning of a race weekend and bin it, but he did. What happened? Yeah, that's right. It was the worst possible start he could he could possibly come up with in terms of the context of Ricardo's. Uh, return this weekend uh, at Alpha Tauri in, in place of the axed uh, Nick De Vries. But um, yeah, on his first push lap, dipped uh, two wheels onto the grass, went for a spin in sort of round turn five, hit the barrier pretty hard, breaking the the front uh, left hand corner, the front wing of his of his car, and that is with the Red Bull upgrades now. Uh, we get to find out how much of uh, spares they've got and indeed how much impact that may have on his uh, car for the rest of the weekend uh, because, yeah, P2's just, just finished. Um, but a dreadful start uh, to his to his weekend. Um, it, it's obviously put, yeah, Perez in particular on the back foot, but Red Bull overall uh, are, are on, on the back foot result um, because... It's just not a way you want, anyone wants to start a race weekend with a crash, and uh, yeah, totally driver error as well. It was it was un, an unforced error uh, to use some tennis lexicon, and um, yeah, it's it's it, Perez is really in a, in a sort of a, a a rut at the moment. Like saying that oh, I'm not feeling the pressure from Ricardo now being back on the grid, and like the future's in in his hands. I, it's down to his performances. Uh, but if he does performances like that, then uh, yeah, he sort of decides his own future. Uh, so 
Yes, pressure's on. And in the FP2, he didn't really help himself because he locked up very heavily on a fresh set of soft tyres, um, which meant he couldn't do his long run on those tyres um, later in the session. Uh, so he was limited on laps. And uh, it actually meant that Verstappen's run plan was slightly impacted because they would have done one drive on the long run on the soft one uh and the other on the medium for the long run. Uh, Verstappen sort of had to <laughs> convert to to make sure they got both sets of uh, tyre data in, in the bank. So not a good day at all for Perez. And yes, he, he has a lot to make up for uh, over the weekend to, 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 to show that he is worthy and he deserves to be where he is right now. Yeah, that lock-up in the second practice session, like you say, it was one of those ones where you sometimes watch a slow-mo replay. And what's really impressive about Formula One drivers is they can do that cadence braking, like ABS with their left foot, you know. And they can, um, you know, just let the brake off a little bit, start to rotate the wheel, brake again. Um, but I was watching the slow-mo and it was like, no, still locked up still locked up, still locked up. It wasn't the highest of speed corners, but it's like, oh, that's a very nasty flat spot. It just seemed to last. It just, just, it was just oh, going on and on. And you think that's, that's, there's just, he can't, the guy can't catch a break. But uh, others would say, well, that is his mistake. The crash in FP1 is his mistake. His lack of getting through to Q3 in, is it the last five Grand Prix? Yeah, um, yeah. Is, okay, there was some, some, you know, some technicals, but also mostly his. So let, let's talk about that because it is adjacent and we might as well get onto the topic now anyway. Just what's your opinion on the pressure? Because the Ricardo situation with Alpha Tauri, now he's clearly... Uh, earned his earned his seat with what they've seen in the sim, and they weren't happy with Nick De Vries, and so Daniel Ricciardo is is in in the number two team. But this was all going wrong for Sergio Perez long before he got the AlphaTauri race suit on. But this certainly heaps on more pressure. I think Christian Horner said on one of the articles that we ran this week that, you know, this isn't a battle for 2024. This is, you know, both drivers are going for the 2025 Red Bull seat. But what's your personal take on on who might be driving that Red Bull car next year? The pressure is hugely on Perez now. I think if he can keep... Well, obviously, if he he can keep second place in the championship and if he can get out of this rut, I I would fully expect him to to retain that... uh, that race seat for Red Bull, given it is, ironically, given it is contracted till 2024, but like obviously Nick De Vries was contracted at the end of this year. So yeah, what does that really mean? But no, generally, like if he hits his minimum targets, there is a decent case to say, right, Perez gets like a, another shot in, in 2024 to go for it. But equally, like we say, it, it does, I think it does now uh, depend on Results elsewhere also going his way in terms of what Ricardo can do at AlphaTauri, which is currently arguably one of the, the one of the slowest, if not the slowest car on the grid. So he's going to need to pull out some unbelievable uh, results to really put his case forward. Um, and that starts with basically beating his teammate Sonoda straight out of the box, which is, to be fair to, to Yuki, no, no easy feat. And, and I wouldn't necessarily expect that to, to happen. But like... Yeah, it's it's a combination of 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 where they're all at in terms of results performances between now and the end of the season. And it, like we say, if, if Perez keeps missing Q three and keeps missing, therefore starting in the mid pack and struggling to get onto the podium, and Ricardo or indeed Sonoda does does a solid job between now and the end of the season, there is no reason to stop 
Red Bull making that switch because their main concern right now is making sure they have two drivers who can push each other, but in terms of getting that one-two in the championship and when or if the their rivals catch up enough to, to make it a fight in the constructors, they need two drivers to to bring in the points. And, and the deficit between Verstappen and Perez right now is just just too great. And it's that it's that way. That's what lost them the the 2021 Constructors' Championship in in that uh, season. So, yes, it's time will tell. This is a bit of a cop-out, but I, I do personally think Perez is under huge pressure right now. It's it's noticeable in how he's driving. It's noticeable in his body language and what he's sort of saying. But he has the t- I think he does have the time. He has the car. He has the opportunity to turn it around. So... He just, I think he just somehow needs that that reset, and we've been talking like he's been talking, we've been talking all about trying to have that reset, and he has had a few goes at it. Um, and I don't know, I mean, I'm not a race driver, I don't know what what triggers that necessarily, or what what creates that. And arguably, Ricardo couldn't find that reset in McLaren, that's why he left a year early from his contract there. But he, uh, sorry, Perez needs to find that and needs to find it fast. Yeah, absolutely. When when he won in Azerbaijan, and I had so many people, especially on the videos that we make for the YouTube channel, because comments are easier to leave than commenting on a podcast, as it were. Um, so many Perez fans saying, you're not giving him enough credit. He's a world champion in waiting, and he's going to take it to max this year. So when he had a bit of a dip in form, I felt a little bit vindicated for sometimes being a little bit rough on Perez. But as the situation's gone on, I now just hope he can get it in order, because I don't want to see another human being crumble. It's like seeing Gareth Southgate miss a penalty to get knocked out to Germany in Euro 96. You see that for another human being and you just sort of think, I just kind of want to put my arm around you and protect you from what's about to come. If Sergio Perez cannot get his head sorted and his driving, the worst is going to come. And I, I don't want that for anybody. Whereas a few races ago, I was like, ha, ah, told you so. And I was like, oh, I feel like a terrible human being now. That you, just- <laughs> you want that happy medium <laughs> Yeah, I know. Well, I feel so <laughs> that, bad. That, that is very, very sweet of you, I think. Uh, yeah, I think Perez will take that kindly. I mean, for my, my opinion, he, I, right now he just needs to stop uh, making young children cry. Yeah. And if uh, that makes sense, if you've seen what's happened today. So the TV camera com- cameras caught uh, a young boy, apparently is a, a local um, lad in Budapest, at his first Formula One race, a uh, big Perez fan. And when Perez crashed three minutes into the first session, he was he was t- bawling his eyes out. Um, Red Bull, to, to their credit, uh, somehow found him in, or found him and his dad in the paddock, and, uh, sorry, in the, in the circuit and, and brought them into the paddock, brought them into the garage for FP2, which is which is pretty pretty good of them. It was that yeah that that young uh, lad a few years ago when uh, Kimi Raikkonen got uh, taken out of the race on the first lap and the kid was crying. So a similar sort of thing, but for Friday practice. So yeah yeah like like that's what I mean when I say Perez just stop making your fans cry and then yeah. hopefully things can start moving forward. I guess. Also on Sky this weekend, they've been having their sort of, uh, it's called F1 Juniors, I think, and they've had the the kind of the youngsters chipping in with some commentary and uh, pit lane stuff. And I got to say, showing up the adults, I always thought, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't do commentary. It, it's far too difficult. But actually, the kids have been having a go and they've been really good at it this weekend. So watch out Crofty and, uh, you know, watch out Ted and, uh, and Martin and the rest. Now, also bad for Sergio Perez, only putting 14 laps in this afternoon uh, in the second practice session. This morning, uh, driver like Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen didn't set times because the, the rain came down, the session was stopped anyway. And uh, But in the times this afternoon, when we start to get some more 
low fuel representative times of maybe what qualifying might look like. Well, there we have Yuki Tsunoda. As you say, objectively, AlphaTauri is the worst car on the grid because by lap time, by points, it's objectively the worst car on the grid. Uh, you got Pierre Gasly up there in third, Lando Norris in second, which you could believe because you think, well, it's the third weekend, they're bringing upgrades to the car. Uh, Charles Leclerc in first, you think, okay, that could be right. Uh, but then we see... Um, Max Verstappen down in 11th in FP2 and uh, Oscar Piastri only got 18 laps in. He had some issues. Uh, He was down in 19th in the other quick McLaren um, and George Russell at the bottom of the field in in 20th. So it's a really mixed up FP2. One of those ones where I think, oh, I'm not sure I've learned too much from Friday. What do you think you might have picked up from watching the the dry running today, if anything? I think the yeah the FP2 timesheet you you can pick that up scroll it up and put it in the bin um because yeah it was just as like you said a mixed up day because of the truncated or zero running for some um in first practice the run plans for for the second practice were were a little bit all over the place and I don't mean in terms of organization I mean in terms of some people would yeah doing the the low fuel running at different times and on different tires um so yeah i I believe verstappen cut short his uh, low fuel running um compared to the rest and indeed i don't think he got necessarily the ideal lap for him in so that explains his his deficit and uh, but it was noticeable that he wasn't instantly on the pace uh even he like normally as we've seen sort of his trademark is first lap out of the pits bang I'm, I'm top top spot almost regardless of what tire he is on uh that never happened um in in this session so so there, there could be an interpretation of like you say they're on the back foot a little bit with Perez um it's it's a circuit that's not always been the best for Red Bull uh, which we've said a few times this year and it has proved uh, slightly different because of how dominant the car is. Um, but yeah, it's it's very, very difficult to to say, pick out a pecking order uh, on this race weekend just from, from Friday practice because everything was, was, was jumbled up and the added element that um, is, is new uh, for this weekend is we have the mandatory tyre to use for qualifying, which I'm sure you'll talk a lot about on tomorrow's podcast where... Um, basically all the runners have to use the hard tyres in Q1 medium tyres in Q2 and then soft tyres in Q3 Um, which it's partly done for sustainability reasons they can bring less tyres or Pirelli can bring less tyres to the race weekends if if it works out and obviously there could be that sporting element of say well we will very much find out but say if one of the top teams really struggles on the hards and they just they can't get out of the bottom five and then they got sort of dumped out then it adds a bit of spice artificially maybe I don't know but we'll, we'll sort of see how it how it bears fruit and that'll be a, a good one to keep an eye on tomorrow because this this it, the format or test was meant to be done at Imola but obviously that race got uh, cancelled because of the flooding so it got moved to here and the second test of this will be at uh, Monza for the Italian Grand Prix uh, in a few weeks time so we'll see how that goes 
Looking forward to watching Hungary this weekend. It was, I think, a really interesting racetrack to go to, so different to Silverstone uh, last time out. What's fascinating is when Sebastian Vettel won his first world championship. He did it with 256 points. And if Max Verstappen scores just a point this weekend, uh, he'll draw level with that, uh, which is just amazing. We're not even at the summer break yet, such as the dominance of Max Verstappen. If they don't switch it on this weekend, he won't be particularly upset. Well, he will He will be because he's a competitive animal. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he definitely will. But in the, la- in the, in the long game, it, it's not the end of the world. Uh, as anyone who was following his sim racing during the last couple of weeks uh, <laughs> testify, uh, he was unhappy with another driver. So uh, Mr. Chicane cut some corners and then drove him off the track. Do not upset Max Verstappen. <laughs> I know it's only sim racing, of course. It would never, never happen in real life, um, of course. But uh, yeah, he's brutal. And uh, and he would he does not want to finish anywhere but first. But if he doesn't, it's not the end of the world. For either him or, or Red Bull, such as is their dominance um, this year. So yeah, we're looking forward to not a huge amount uh, that we can look at the timesheets from uh, the quick laps today, but we certainly have plenty to learn about uh, the car, some upgrades, some tech upgrades as well. Uh, before we go, what are the big articles that our listeners have been reading on your website at autosports.com what's done really well what people clicking on and what are some of the big stories that we need to know about that's right you you alluded to it there the the tech upgrades that we've just had uh as we do pretty much with every race recently as uh the development uh arms race continues um there's a lot of interest around uh, Red Bull's upgrade, which Perez has slightly put in the wall, but they're, they're, at least from Verstappen's car, they're definitely still fine. Um, the thing that's catching most people's attention is their new side pods, which is uh, sort of tighter, different sort of design. Um, and it's interesting to sort of see how that incorporates and works with their package. There was rumours that they were going to go full hog and try and do this sort of Mercedes failed concept of the no side pods. But as it turns out, it is just a tighter smaller version of what they've had previously but it's been interesting to see how that impacts their car um along with the other changes that they've made to brake ducts uh, and a bit to the to the wings um alpha Tauri, at the same time as getting a new driver they've they've got some upgrades um so they're worth keeping an eye on and people have been very interested so just to yeah keep the development race going we, we fully because these cars are and the ray the rules are staying stable we, we should expect this to remain a a talking point for, for many races to come. Interestingly, though, uh, McLaren has delayed its next, or what was due to be this weekend's uh, upgrades. So it proves that if you're not reliable, because of cost caps, because if you're not confident with the, say, performance and therefore you don't want to risk it, sometimes, yeah, you may hold back on on, on upgrades because you haven't got that sort of endless amount of money you can throw and development time, wind tunnel time at, at improvements. So there's yeah there's lots of talking points over development uh, and and of course uh, outside of that we've had plenty of uh, reaction to in the paddock about De Vries's sacking and Ricardo's uh, coming in. Um, I think it sounds like at least from t- what was said today, like particularly for Franz Tost Balfatari, it was it wasn't an easy decision to make with Red Bull about letting De Vries go. They are obviously still really considered as the the junior team for Red Bull and they want to develop young talent and okay De Vries is a little bit older but his F1 experience is very young yes it's 10 races for AlphaTauri plus one for Williams when he stood in for Albon last year so 
Yeah, that they're, they're, it's predictably Franz Tost's mindset is like give them three years and he's been given 10 and a bit races. That's not quite sitting their mindset, but but obviously there is more at play and, and we have uh, a feature written by Alex Kanonokos or sort of what the other factors are here and it is it is wider than say just De Vries not performing there is the team isn't performing uh there was obviously those rumors and and Red Bull the, the hierarchy were looking at perhaps selling the team earlier this year they've they've decided not to do that so there is more at play and there's all all is explained let's say I don't want to sell it on here otherwise you won't go on the site and that'll be it so yes but it's there's more at play let's put it that way Go and have a look online at autosport.com and read all the the wonderful coverage that our experts, uh, some of them uh, in the paddock, pit and paddock, and uh, some of them uh, all around the world, contributing to uh, the rest of us enjoying the coverage of Formula One. So, yeah, make sure you are uh, stay tuned all over the weekend to the website podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Myself and Jake Boxall Leg will do, uh, he is trackside this weekend, uh, do the qualifying podcast and then for the Sunday night show as well. Great. Well, that's your Friday podcast in the books. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Sports Social Podcast Network.